It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, Utah gets their first win of the season against Weber State. We look ahead as the rivalry game is upon us. And we're joined by another Twitter fan, Utah A&M, and the one and only Kenneth Scott, former Ute, will be breaking it down for us. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And Scott. What is up, boys? Scott, who finally got me to get a cowboy corn dog there you go you got it right corn dog <laughs> Not a cowboy hot dog <laughs> so what's 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 the report it it's good it's, it's good it's the, good that's the, all you got the line was long yeah it's because <laughs> it they're good all of halftime plus a little more to get it well, let's let's go back. So you did post your picture on on Twitter. I did, and I got blasted for catch up. Yeah, I mean, what? because that's that's your first mistake. All right, getting in the line—that's a big step for you. Now, once once you purchase the corn dog, you either get mustard or mustard. I went with I went with honey this time. Yeah, how was that? By it was the way? pretty good. It gives you a little little salty sweet action going. It was it was it was pretty good. Somebody highly recommend. I've never done this before, but somebody told me there today they do corn dogs with peanut butter. That sounds disgusting. That was at Disneyland. Like peanut butter is the it's the dupe. And then they deep fry it. They deep fry the peinut butter. There's no, one. No, no it's there's like, one instead in, of like mustard or honey, you dip it. Oh, in it's peanut a butter. it's a dipping sauce. Yes. Oh. There's one in in Disneyland where it's like a hot dog with a pickle. Deep yeah, fried, that's what it was. And then you dip it in peanut butter. That sounds awful. <laughs> Are you sure that's what not like the state fair? <laughs> oh, what or like that, start or, the episode or do they here. Do, do they sell those next uh, next to the Cougar Tells? <laughs> maybe we'll maybe down in Provo. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see if that's a condiment at Cowboy Corn Dogs next time. I didn't. I did not see or, any any peanut butter. Or demand but. it. All right, so let, let's really get into this. Um, Ricicle Stadium, holy crap, that is amazing. So here's my only complaint with it. So the the people that are sitting in it... It's too great? (laughs) There's never (laughs) enough great. They're like where the mountain design is. They're like sitting at like a table or something. Kind of like a high high boy chair. It totally looks like the like Zoom video screen in the NBA bubble. Remember that fans <laughs> virtual and they put them in like virtual seats where you only see like from the neck up. That's exactly what it looks like. Outside of that though, it's beautiful. And that is kind of front and center. I I, I, I think it looks amazing. It would I think it'd look even sicker if they went instead of those gray barriers in front of those tables to red. I think that would have gone over the top. 
And you know what? Just reorder them, Utah, and just reorder them in red. It'll be sweet. <laughs> or may- maybe just maybe get one of those those blow torches <laughs> and see if it'll turn it red. Okay. Did you Did you guys know <laughs> like they did for the that other they seats. ran out of propane or something? <laughs> they ran out of propane and ran out of time <laughs> and labor. <laughs> like, the, like the last five rows on the east side. Like, we don't care about these people. We're we made it high enough. The other seats look nice, though, on the east and west side, and all nice and red. In general, the place looked awesome. It was awesome for about mm, 12 Six minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Until lightning came into play. Until and the heavens opened up. And then oh all of a sudden, gosh. we just get everybody into the stadium, and now they're telling everybody to go back out. What a way to start the 2021 season. The worst, it was right after they, Weber State ran it back for a touchdown, and we're like, oh, we're losing. And <laughs> and, and and dropped a, a touchdown. Yes. I'm sure those guys enjoyed that hour and a half in front of Whittingham that they had during the, that rain delay. The entrance, what did you guys think? That was phenomenal. Dude, spiritual experience. <laughs> I I have some minor... Requests, I guess you should, you could call it. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's cool. It's very exciting. And Cam's opinionated. First, it was the the gray barriers. Now, now, oh what do gosh. we got? He wants the bounce house, bounce house back. <laughs> the bounce house was cool. <laughs> no, okay. When they're traveling from the locker room, it would be. I would like the cameras to be on them the entire time. I didn't like how it kept cutting from them to to the to the battery like out of battery or whatever it was showing on the screen. <laughs> I don't know what it was showing, but I didn't like how it kept flip-flopping between them walking out of the locker room to whatever graphics design they have. Like, just keep it on the, the players and the coaches walking out. But when they turned the corner and Wit was mm. leading them out. Mm. No, it was cool. Was awesome. That's what, see, that's like... That's when I knew the youths 90, were true. 99, <laughs> 99% of it was amazing. It's just, I think it was just a little tweaking to get it right. Well, and, and I think the music, and, they and kept I, I switching between like a couple different songs, just have like one song. I think they'll thing. get there. Um, but, then, okay, keep going, keep okay, going. Okay, my last thing is, Coming Through the Smoke was awesome. It was so cool. You didn't see them on all of a sudden. They just like, it was like Field of Dreams type thing, right? Where they just like kind of miraculously appear through Very the smoke. Very underrated movie, by the way. But they need to like keep coming out on the field. It was kind of weird how they came through it and then just stopped in front of the goalpost for like five minutes. Well, if they're running from inside through the smoke, they're gonna lose their bearings. You could have a few people drill, <laughs> drill, drill the they'll uprights. <laughs> no, I mean they could walk through the smoke and then run once they get on the field. But it was just it was kind of. I think a it's little, to build like, some anticipation. They're, well, then they arrived. need to come out faster. They just stood there for like five minutes. I'm like, oh, are they going to run it on the field? It was game one. Give them a chance. And the, t- the timing with the coin toss was off because the team had to run around the coin toss. <laughs> That's because they were standing behind the goalpost for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I They'll will, get it. They'll, they'll, get it. They'll, get it. they'll get it. I will say when they, when they had, uh, when they were filming the team coming out in certain parts it was pretty dark they need to put a light on or in there because you couldn't really see it all that well on the big screen but i'll tell you at an eight o'clock oregon game or a big ucla usc game at night when that place is full and you're coming and you're starting the game off with that entrance it, that 
will be electric. Oh, it, it it will. It and don't get me wrong. Don't get on Twitter and blast me for it. It's awesome. It's a hundred times better than what they've done in the past, right? It's just you know that one percent that maybe they can tweak it a little bit, make it make forget it a little bit all better. of this and put in new stadium lights that you can flick on and off without having t- the ten minute warm up if you turn them off. Or I don't cool. know. How about where did the the cannon go? We want the cannon yes, back. I, I noticed that <laughs> once they closed it off, the cannon is gone. I didn't think about the cannon until we were there. Yeah, the that, game. that's not okay, Mr. Harlan. I, we will run you out of town <laughs> if you take the cannon. I have seen people tweet at him about the cannon. That is a Ute tradition. Find a place for it and shoot it up. It is. It's shooting blanks, dude. It's it's gonna be okay. You can point it. You can put it wherever you'd like inside the stadium. It. it Shoots blanks. Some people were saying it was a noise thing, like the neighbors were complaining. But well, uh, then who let cares? them complain. Move somewhere else. Don't move next to a stadium. Your fault, not ours. Bring the cannon back. That stadium's been there longer than that house has been there. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've we've given up on Red Thunder. We've given up on so many Ute traditions, and now we're going to give up on the cannon. Is Ute Thunder the drums? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They needed to abandon that one. I will run Mark Harlan out of the state <laughs> if he gives uh, if he gives up on the cannon. And I'm here for it. <laughs> All right. Overall, though, great experience uh, with the closed stadium. The crowd... A little late arriving. I'll give it to everyone. It was a Thursday night at 5.30. But come, like on a Saturday, that place got to be rocking. I don't know what's with you fans and arriving late. But we got to change it that. It drives with this. me crazy. Change that with this fan base. I was like, my wife and my son, I was like, we're leaving the house at 3.30 so we can be in there at 4.30. It was mainly to avoid any hiccups with the digital ticketing, which... There weren't any when I. It came was nice. Through, so yeah, it was really quick. Well, if you arrive early, it was okay. Was but it hard if people got late? I heard. I heard there was definitely lines. But again, when everybody's arriving at the same time, you're going to have lines one way or another, yeah. whether you got a paper ticket or not. So, but we got there in plenty of time. Was able to walk around the entire stadium, check it out. So, folks, get there, enjoy it, grab a corn. cowboy corn dog, dip it in some mustard or some honey, or, 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 peanut, or, or some butter. peanut butter, or, or a cowboy hot dog whichever you prefer <laughs> but they've got some better i mean they've got uh the pies there now there's a barbecue place i want to try that was next to cowboy corn dog i don't know if it's new or not oh yes there was a new barbecue place i hadn't seen that before. i want to try that i'm gonna next next game washington state totally gonna try that well we'll we'll give you a food take we're gonna try something new every game and and we'll we'll, we'll bring back our takes on that on that food can I, pe- people can are I? dying for food takes from rice cycle stadium and especially from cameron cameron <laughs> the ketchup dipper <laughs> he ate you okay let's get into this game uh Utes get the win. You put ketchup over, on your barbecue. Utes get the win over Weber State, forty to seventeen. Slow they, start, a little slow start. They gave up the kick return for a touchdown, which I freaking hate. Kick the ball out of the end zone. I'm he, so he's never sick going of to. This. He's never I am going so to. Sick of it. I don't care. Let them start on the twenty-five. 
Well, especially when we've got such a good defense. I get it. If you break everything down statistically, and on average you've got somebody starting at the 19 versus the 25, those extra six yards over a course of a season is going to lead to you know a better result for your defense. I get that. But if your guys can't tackle, kick the ball out of the back of the end zone. I mean, that was the, the, the Red Sea parted. There could have been 45 Moseses that could have fit through that hole. <laughs> My whole thing is just, I mean, there's always that chance that they break something off big, get a touchdown or get, you know, the 40-yard line. Uh, but injuries is another thing. Injuries are big on kickoffs. And so just to avoid all of that, just kick the dang ball out of the end zone. That's all I want. As long as Wit's here, I don't think that's going to happen. It won't. But I will say, as, as big as that hole was for that touchdown run, they they pretty much shorted up after that. They they didn't they didn't let him go off at all. No, and 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 let's all let's all say a prayer for Sharif Shaw. I'm sure he's had a rough week. <laughs> Special teams was not overly sharp. No. And I don't, you know, obviously Witt loves his special teams. He he relies on that. And just a, just a real ugly start from not enough men on the field to a delay of game to a missed extra point due to a delay of game that we, we pushed him back five yards. We had too many men on the field at one point. You know, just, just pretty sloppy. And obviously, you know, they always say from week one to week two is where you're going to see the most uh, most progress from your team. Which uh, which will be interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, this week when we jump into it, but uh, yeah, just just kind of sloppy out of the gates. But once once they came back after the the lightning delay, they got going and they got going pretty quick. The offense picked up. I'll tell you, Mister Brewer, Mister Brewer can drop some dimes. Oh man, that guy can. He is so accurate, and it was so fun to see. I mean, just. Dropping them right in there. Too bad a couple of them couldn't catch them. But uh, Covey had a drop. Pledger has obviously the drop in the end zone, and Fotheringham has another drop in the end zone. And they were right in their right in their hands. Like it was a perfect throw to them in the end zone. Both of them were right in their hands. And yeah, definitely, definitely not how you want to start. But again, against an opponent like Weber State, you can get away with that. Get those drops out of the way. Maybe maybe it was nerves. Who knows what it was? But those those are balls that have got to be caught. And 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 I w- I would love to see Fotheringham be able to take advantage of those because he's kind of fighting an uphill battle with Kincaid kind of emerging. Oh, we know what we got. He in had Keithy. a huge game. I mean, y- Yasmin even had a sweep <laughs> and, and, he had, and he had a, and a catch. I mean. We're we're targeting our four string tight ends at this point. It's I mean the depth of that position is just is just pretty crazy. But but overall, I mean coming away, seeing what Brewer did and how poised he was in the pocket, he was comfortable. He never looked rushed, and I think that's why he's your starter, right? We talked about that in, in previous podcasts. Getting the nod probably based off that experience level that he's got and all the success that he's had down at Baylor and you saw that he he did not look uncomfortable he didn't look rushed he was waiting for routes to develop and then was just placing the ball perfectly where it needed to be and Britton Covey's talked about that that every ball is right where it needs to be with Brewer and and we saw that in game one leaves me pretty excited well I think there was one throw to um 
Kincaid, if if I'm thinking right, where Brewer's throwing it to open spots, not open receivers. And I think that's where you see a quarterback take that next step where they know where their man's going to be open and they know where to place that ball. I think that goes back to his accuracy is he was able just to kind of loft it up, go right over the linebacker's head and just dropped it. And when he released it, I had no idea who he was throwing it to because no one was in the area. Oh, I I think you're talking about the one to Enos. Yeah. Oh, was it Enos? It was Enos Kate down the, down the, on, the on the south side, side. the Ute sideline. Yes. Yeah, he, that was he that was across the middle, and he threw it, and all of us are like, "Where's that going to?" And then Enos just ran right into it. Yeah, it was, but that was I mean, you hear, you know, quarterbacks and, and quarterback coaches that you know we've never played the game, and they have. They talk about that 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 the when quarterbacks when they can take that next step is they're throwing it to open spots instead of open men. I mean, that's where you get the top-level players, and that's where I think we saw Brewer um, come play. He's 19-27 for 233 yards, uh, two touchdowns, that one pick. You can't count it. It was just a Hail Mary Should have been 21-27 for four touchdowns, but who's counting? So, yeah, I mean, if there's, I think there's one thing you do want to knock on the Utes or, or maybe something they need to clean up. We talked about it at the drop two drop balls in the end zone. Uh, they got stuffed on the end zone on that fourth and one. Got to get some better push off it from that offensive line. I, the offensive line, it was really interesting, right? Because I think pass protection, they were very good. Brewer had a lot of time. Scott, you said he, you know, he wasn't rushed. But run blocking, they were lacking. Which is typically the strength of Utah's O-line. It's, it's in the rush game, not necessarily in pass protection. Again, this is game one, so and we had starters out. That's, I think, the biggest thing we got to remember is what the line that you saw against Weber State is not the line you're going to see, hopefully, even this week against BYU. In the first part of the game, at least it seemed to me that there was it was more heavy passing or leaning towards the pass. I think it probably evened out a little bit towards the end of the game. But this kind of surprised me because Witt seems to be more run, 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 as we all know. But I wonder if that if the offensive line having the, the not the starters there played into that thinking these guys are better pass blockers than run blockers uh, and that's maybe that's why they led to, through through so much or maybe just because I, they've got a good quarterback and like, I think why that, not I think that's a lot to do with it I I think Ludwig really has has built this offense at least for this first game scheming wise at having Charlie Brewer as your strength and using your tight ends as your strength of receiving core. Guys like Jalen Dixon got the ball. Uh, Theo Howard had a catch. Brenton Covey had four. But if you look at it, it's really Kincaid and Keithy. Even Enos had four, I think, too. Enos did have four, yeah. yeah. So they really did spread the ball around. for our boy Solo. I'll tell you, game number one, he's got a touchdown of four, four receptions. That's a, that's a big game. And maybe some of that also has to do with what they didn't know exactly what they were going to get at running back. I mean, they but they know what they're going to get from Bernard, but the other three guys are kind of unknowns. So how they perform when the lights go on? Well, they they now know what yeah. they're going to get. I from gotta say, I don't like to give Scott credit at all on nope. this show. He, he I think his uniform takes are outdated. Oh and my fashion! Dude, you want to go again? I think his food takes are subpar. Oh my god. However, I will say his Tavion Thomas, Scott has been high on him ever since he signed with Utah. So 
Scott, I, I do have to give you some kudos. Oh, my god! You have good taste in running backs, but everything else sucks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's so many lies there just in those statements. Thomas is a stud, and Dude, he, he had the fumble, right? And we did get a tweet at us from at Zebra Coffin. Uh, I think he made a really good observation. T- uh, Tavion Thomas was wearing a wrist brace. Could that have affected his ball carrying and, and caused the fumble? I mean, I don't think we can say definitely it it did. Well, all all of the guys I are think, wearing cups, and they don't necessarily have groin injuries. So what? <laughs> There's another subpart. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I, <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I think anytime you have extra equipment on, obviously it's going to affect your your level of play, right? And and I don't know how or comfortable your he level. <laughs> and I don't know how comfortable he is with any sort of braces on his, on his arms, but I, it just definitely maybe has some factor to it. Um, but I don't know. I think that's maybe something hey, that, that we'll want to keep the, an eye the on. The late, great Ty Jordan, he had a few fumbles early in his Utah career. And that's career. exactly where I was going to go. It's going to happen. And uh, But again, Kyle puts him back out there, and he just kept producing. 109 yards on the ground in his first game, not being the starter. Two touchdowns. Beast. Big boy. I mean, he, he literally looks... Like a linebacker playing the running back oh, position. He, he looks like Devin Lloyd. He does. Like it is. I mean, it, similar size across the so board. It's so funny when they show the replay and it's up close and he's running and there's a safety right there trying to tackle him. Like it, it's funny. How, good, na- good night, how boys. I'm looking forward to BYU's linebackers and safeties getting run over by him this week. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. But no, you know, you know. But back to that original point of. You know, the run versus the pass. I mean, Kyle said, and again, he said this in the past, but in the fall camp, they're going to throw the ball more. They know they need to throw the ball more. So I don't I don't know if if some of those injuries and who they had at offensive line played a role in how much they were going to pass versus run. Um, but I think when you've got a quarterback with Brewer, if, if Kyle Whittingham can be confident in Brewer, and Andy Ludwig can be confident in him, which they both should be at this point because he's protecting the ball. He's got that experience. He looks very poised and is extremely accurate. You got to let him go. You oh, yeah. got to let him go. If if he's if he's throwing balls like that, let's let's get chunk plays. I mean, that's what you that's how you kill a defense and just demoralize a defense, especially this week going up against BYU. They love to keep everything in front of them because they don't have the athletes mm-hmm. to to really play with the big boys. The whole bend and don't break. So they they got to make sure they got to play off and make sure everything stays in front and then rally to the ball and tackle. And that's fine. We're going to take plenty of opportunities. I mean, you look what Arizona State or excuse me Arizona just did with a, a freshman quarterback. They just dinked and dunked their way to 350 yards passing. So you can take plenty of, of, of what they're going to give you underneath, but then you still got to find those opportunities for the long ball and for those big chunk plays. And Brewer, man, just let him go. Let him go. Maybe maybe after you know, all these years where Whittingham has continually said, we got, we're going to pass the ball more, and then we never end up doing it. It's, maybe it's because he doesn't trust the quarterback. Maybe there's not. They haven't had a. They, we've had good quarterbacks now. Huntley, is Huntley, an NFL his senior year. I would even say at times with Travis Wilson. At but times, at times, not all the times with Travis. And, but and I think we've talked about that before on the on this 
podcast, right? Is 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 Winningham having that trust factor in not only the quarterback but the OC and the offense in general? Well, in in a fall camp when it's early August, the sun's out, and you and he's doing an interview next to a riding lawnmower. It's easy for you to say. What? <laughs> Haven't you know? Yeah, when, <laughs> there's always like some lawnmower you, you, you jeep. Can keep this but there, have you not noticed? There's always loud noises going on every time he's trying to be there's, interviewed. It's either that or the machine that for the wide receivers that shoots yeah. the ball out. There's always always standing right next to it. Or it's a it. leaf blower. <laughs> As someone who's had to edit those sounds out over the years, it is annoying. But in those moments, he's feeling confident. He's feeling ease. He can he can just throw out, oh, yeah, we're going to throw the ball all over the field this year. And then when he gets in the actual games and it's it's the heat of the moment, he's like, I'm going back to my security blanket. I'm going to run the ball. Right? And so he needs that type of quarterback that can say, hey, Kyle, it's okay. Let's tug Blanky in. You're going to be fine. I got you. No, you're, you're right. I think you're right. And it's only been one game that we've seen Brewer play. Now, he's got a lot of experience, almost 10,000 yards at Baylor. But realistically, when was the last time Utah had a quarterback that the coaching staff and the fan base, for that matter, has felt comfortable with any throw? He can make any throw, and you know it's going to be close or on the money. Jim Fossil, Scott Mitchell. <laughs> well, that goes back a while. Maybe Urban and Alex. Outside of that, Kyle, I'm not sure Kyle ever gets too comfortable with those QBs. No, maybe he's maybe he's had a change of heart. He's like, you know, if we've got, if we're gonna win the Pac-12, we've got to be able to throw the ball. Well, no, there's no doubt he's had a change of heart. Look at him. He's Grown his hair out, the goatee's back. He's, he's a gray he's a, all he's over. He's a whole new man. He's just letting it go, man. He's just he's telling the media what personnel we're going to run hey, against he's, BYU. He's not even he's not even hiding <laughs> things anymore. I mean, he's just letting it all hang out. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, looking on the defensive side of the ball, uh, defense, I think, played really well. So the Weber scored 17. Seven of that came on special teams. Their last touchdown came against all pretty much all walk-ons, um, four-string kind of guys. So three points came off really of the turnover. Three, uh, three so point, you're right. Three point short field. Came off the turnover there. Uh, so de- I, defense played extremely well. A lot of mishaps, though, that they had to clean up, especially in the secondary. A lot of youth on the, in the secondary, and I think a lot of that has to do with the first game jitters, the first time really playing in that size of crowd because there weren't fans last season. Uh, so a little bit of cleanup there. But overall, I thought the defense played extremely well. Uh, Van Villinger killed it on the edge. Uh, that he, I think he's going to have a, a great season. 
I think he's solidified that other end spot. But I, I mean, I Xavier Carlton got some time. Carlton looked pretty good himself. And I mean, and obviously we saw what Tafua did. Tafua was a menace off the edge. And I mean, just overall that D line was really good. Again, you know, Weber State, you know, probably a little bit undersized from what you know an average Pac-12 team or lines could do. But I mean, Utah gave up. On average, one point nine yards per rush attempt. Tweeber State, you're going to win a lot of games doing that. They were getting nothing through the run game. Every time it was just it was eaten up. Where my concern was is it seemed like the secondary they didn't really give up anything of significance, but they were playing off quite a bit. And when there were balls to be completed. Guys were pretty well open. There was only, you know, maybe a handful of really contested um, throws by by the secondary. So that's that's one thing that, you know, hopefully with time we're going to see clean up a little bit. Obviously, Clark Phillips still had a great game. Travis Broughton had a, had a great game. Um, and, and even Kyle Winningham mentioned that Malone Matteelli actually, you know, had a good game as well in the, in the, in the nickel. So, you know... At times they didn't. They didn't look. Uh, they didn't look. I would say super sharp, but stats wise, they got the job done. They played really well. We can't really uh, not mention the defensive player of the week in Mister Mister Lloyd, who was just an absolute menace out there. He he's uh, he's everywhere, and it's kind of fun watching him. If you if you focus on him, watching him dissect and shed blockers and get to where he needs to get. He, and, he, and he gets there yeah. momentarily. I mean, it's just at the snap, he knows what they're doing and he's there. I think the thing with Lloyd is he's just, he's so good and his instincts are, are great. As I think sometimes you just kind of take it for granted, right? Like his playmaking ability. Um, and when you step back and like what you said, Ryan, just really focus solely on him and what he's doing. Uh, he He's a tremendous athlete. Like, I mean, he, he doubled up the next closest guy in tackles. 12 tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, an interception. That interception was awesome. I mean, he was he was just all over the place. And and, and Nephi Sewell. He had a good game, I mean, too. He, he looked solid. The mm-hmm. linebackers, you know. And, and what kind of surprised me is we had three linebackers on the field a, a lot. lot of the time. Yeah. Hayden Fury would j- join those two on the field a lot more than I expected. Mataafa, he played a little bit more down the stretch when the game was in hand, but he, he yeah, got he, some minutes too he, earlier in the he, game. He did, he did. So no, I, it was interesting to see that. I didn't really expect it, but uh, overall, I mean, th- this is a good Weber State team. This is a t- uh, Weber State team that's been to four straight playoffs at their level, and they're they're a legit national title contender. Don't tell me at the FCS level. So. I mean, it's a good football team, and to absolutely dominate it from a fan's perspective, it it seemed maybe a little sloppy and not, you know, dominant at times. But you, when you sit back and actually look at it, it was a dominating performance well, by the, it, by it, that team. It it was, and t- to your point about uh, Weber State being a a, a a playoff team at the FCS level. They their season was late, so they almost had like a long spring. They they just came off playing, really. When you think about it, yeah, they didn't they, have they a big layoff off, essentially. Yeah. So no, it well, uh, and you know they're coached well with Jay Hill. 
And that, that's the other thing to take away from this is, is yes, it's an FCS school, but it, they're talented. Uh, they're, they're coached right. Um, so it's a lot to hang Utah for their hat on. I, I think, though, if you take the two drops in the end zone, they're getting stopped on the goal line. It's basically 55, 55 to 3. I mean, is assuming you don't give up, you know, the special teams. But fi- even even with all that said, fifty five seventeen is the final score essentially. So um, you know, dominated performance. A lot a lot of good things out of the first game of the season. When there are those jitters, when things are just new, some guys are getting um, time for the first time. So you're gonna you're gonna have some mishaps. And guess what? You saw it all over college football. Mm-hmm. It was ugly first week of college football, hey, especially at least for we're not Washington. North. <laughs> at least we're not Washington. But I mean, the ACC looked horrible. Their top four was it the top three or four teams all lost. Um, it just it, there was just a lot of upsets, and it, it goes to show there's a lot more parity in college football now than there was a decade ago. A lot of these smaller teams have a lot of good athletes. I mean, you saw that at Weber State. The the kick returner for Weber State, I mean, he's basically an All American, and and leads college football in in uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns. So, a lot of talented kids out there. And uh, um, when you compare Utah's week compared to a lot of those other schools across the country, I don't think there's all that much to be nervous about. All right, so that's going to do it for our thoughts on kind of Utah Weber and just. The experience at the new uh, renovated stadium in Rice Eccles. Uh, we're up against a break. When we come back, let's bring on Ute fan Utah AM and kind of get his perspective of going to the game and his thoughts of the Utah BYU game coming up. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, joining us on the phone now, Ute fan from Twitter, Utah A&M. Alex, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you know, I feel honored, but at the same time, I'm also kind of nervous because I feel like anybody that follows me probably has somewhat of an idea that I'm kind of an idiot. But now <laughs> it's just going to be like, we all knew it. So th- I appreciate well, that, the opportunity. That's, to that's, how we, the that's how we feel about Scott. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every every week, the three of us, we, we show how much how little we know about really the game of football. So, right. you know, what are you going to do? Exactly. All right. So we've been talking, you know, the Utah Weber State game and, and really just how cool it was to be finally be back with fans in a sold out stadium. I'm just curious your perspective. What what did you think of 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 course the crowd, the the renovations that have happened? Kind of what was your experience like for that game? Well, so first of all, the, the renovations, everything like that, I thought that was just super necessary. Not just because it looked dinky and horrible before, but uh, you know that thing was crumbling. Those locker rooms were terrible. And I think that's you know pretty widely known. So I'm really glad those renovations happened simply for the 
for the players, but I actually didn't go to the spring game specifically because I wanted to see the new end zone in a game day environment. Um, I, mean, I tell you, I wasn't disappointed. I walked in and that it looked, you know, amazing. You look at it and it doesn't even look like the same stadium. I don't know if you guys had the same oh, yeah. experience, but you'd look over there. Yeah. And you'd be like, am I still in rice cycles? You'd have to like convince yourself yeah. you're still in the same place. Cause it just looked so different. So I thought, you know, that was really awesome. And then as for just being back at games, like <laughs> I had been waiting for that. You know, I, I said this on Twitter, like the night before I was just like, or I said it that morning. I was like, my wife didn't even tell me Merry Christmas this morning. Like it, <laughs> game, the first game day is my Christmas. You know, I'm so excited for it. So I was just so happy and just have the energy of the crowd and everything like that. It just, it felt like we were home last season. Just, it didn't have the same, feel to it if you know what i mean i'm sure you guys all feel the same way so i was so happy to be back it just it felt like coming home yeah no i think definitely last season it kind of felt like there was that separation from being a fan of the team right because all we could do is watch it on tv whereas being there finally it just it like what you said it felt at home it just felt right to be there turn on the utes uh is there a, a player that really stood out to you in this game? I think for me, Kincaid was awesome. I, but curious what your thoughts are. Was there a player that kind of stood out in your mind? Well, I'd agree with the Kincaid part. I mean, he had that touchdown catch he had. It was At first, I actually thought it was uh, I thought it was Keithy that caught it, you know, because you can't totally tell the numbers exactly when it's happening. And I thought it was him. Well, that was an amazing catch. Um, so I agree with him. I also, um, Tavion Thomas, uh, that guy is kind of a little bit of a break of the mold of Utah running backs that we've had. Um, they've been, you know, well built and everything like that. But when was the last time we had a true, like over six foot, just kind of big bruiser um, running back that also had a good amount of speed too. So I am, I'm really excited to see what he can do throughout the rest of the season. Cause I thought he had a great game as well. Yeah. Tavion. I mean, he's, you know, he's, He's a guy that's got me so excited from early on in camp when when Kyle just started gushing about him. And yeah. you know, and, and, and when, when Kyle gushes about somebody, you gotta pay attention to it because that person just seems to always come to the forefront. And and like you said, I mean he, he looks like Devin Lloyd out there. I mean, he's so big. Yeah. <laughs> and and he he's got that the thing about it. It's not just he's not just a big bowling ball out there like a, you know maybe a Devin Brumfield type big boy. Uh-huh. I mean he he's got that size, but he's also got that breakaway speed. And uh, I'll tell you, I I think I think he's I think he's probably going to be your starter. Although Bernard showed really well, especially catching the ball out of the out of the backfield. Um, but I I think the running back position between those two guys is in really good hands. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Bernard actually did look really well as um, as well. Um, the thing about Tavian Thomas, I actually remember someone in camp saying, like, you see this big towering running back and you know he's just going to plow people over. But I don't remember who it was that quoted it. They're like, you'll be surprised at his speed. And so when you hear that, like those two things combined, like that's, that's what you want out of a running back. So I'm really excited to see what the running back position can, can do. But at this point, I do think it is kind of down to the two of them. I will be curious at the BYU game to see Curry and Pledger to see if they're getting many carries or, or to see if it is maybe narrowed down a little bit more who's getting the major workload for the running backs. So before we shift in into BYU, kind of staying with this Weaver State game, obviously there was the lightning strike. 
Did you get stuck in the rain? Were you stuck in the concourse? How was that for you? Scott was in the so, bathroom. <laughs> so, yeah, I, so we were walking out um, and I had lost, I was there with my family, I was there with my sister and my parents. Um, and I was kind of looking for them and they found this little area in the wall behind um, kind of one of those standalone that's just like a trail, you know, like a food truck basically that's right there. And so we were right on the edge of the concourse. And so every once in a while we get sprinkled with rain, but we stayed dry for the most part. But yeah, I looked out there a couple of times. You just see people just getting drenched and all of a sudden just over the course of an hour and a half, you just saw the crowd kind of getting thinner and thinner out there because I think people were just getting absolutely drenched. So we were lucky enough to stay dry. Uh, we, we tried to wait it out and yeah, <laughs> big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> when the hail started coming, we we, we made it. Well, we got stuck because we couldn't get into the concourse because the portals were all backed up with people. Oh, it, yeah. At first, it was just like wall-to-wall people. And so we were lucky that, like I said, we were behind this little food truck. And so we had this kind of protected space. But I looked out there and I was like, oh, that looks miserable. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll give a little PSA for uh, the the men's rooms in the north end zone. Those things, uh, the, I mean, as you as you as you know, the north uh, concourse on the north side of the stadium is about the size of yeah. Cameron, <laughs> and so you get all these people filling in that spot. I I took my son into the bathroom. It was warm. It was just there was no, it was like a ghost town. And those, there's like 400 urinals in there. It just stretches for days. And Scott, I, you got to stop talking about it because I feel like nobody knows that bathroom. I know, exists. and that's always where I go. And I, you, you go to the other one on the East Concourse, and there's a million people. And then I just walk right past, and, I go, and there's nobody in there. So come, you got to edit that part out. You can't tell me. I, I know, I know. My, we, we my wife went into that men's room to change her shirt at the Garth Brooks concert. It was so big. That's incredible. <laughs> It it is, man. It's and I'm just like, where is everybody? Everybody's out there getting wet and I'm just like hanging out in here with like three other people. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, so looking ahead to this uh Utah BYU game. Uh first of all, are you excited for this rivalry game? Do I even need to ask that question? In state game camp. Oh, sorry, in state yeah. in state game. Right. Rivalry game what are you talking about? I am, but I like I get so nervous for it um, just because like, because in the back of your mind, you just think, what if we, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to deal with that. And so like, <laughs> it's one of those things that I'm super excited for, but I'm kind of relieved when it's over. You know what I mean? You're just like, Whew, okay, now we can move on. So yes, very excited, but also, you know, well, I, th- I think nervous. that's where we're at with this game. I mean, nine in a row, some have been competitive. Many have not been. And, yeah. and it really is to the point, like, you don't get this huge, euphoric excitement off, off a win anymore. It's like, it is relief. Yeah. And, yeah. and then you move on, and you're like, well, at least we don't have to listen to those dudes anymore. That's the whole well, thing, is I just don't want to hear they still BYU talking. fans run their mouth. But no, and that's and that's my problem with the game. It's everyone's like, yeah, but the feeling is so great. And you're like, you have like a 24-hour window 
of where they stop talking. And then 24 hours later, they're just right back to talking about, oh, we really won that game. And you're just but, like, I but, can't, but I can't deal with this, this anymore. We won yeah. the third and fourth quarters. And yeah. uh, so really, had there been a fifth, we would have won the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like the excuses galore. And so it's just like, I, I don't even feel any joy after this because then I have to deal with it afterwards. The joy would be if we went at like 54 to 10 and just shut them up. Yes. Like there's no, there's no question. There's a talent gap there the it's just a difference that doesn't exist what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> they'll never shut up but like yeah, just a, a big massive win would just be yeah. awesome that would that would feel great but, i feel but, like if there's any I, I feel like this is a year that that could possibly happen yeah no i i agree i mean obviously byu fans are uh, at least the byu fans on social media um let's put it that way are awfully confident in their ability to uh, to beat this Utah team, which has me a little, you know, I mean, if, if a team's beat me nine straight times and, yeah. and, and has the upper hand literally across the board, you would think there would be a little different uh, view on on how this game would go. But that, does, that doesn't seem to stop them. BYU fans are, are pretty confident going into this game. Well, they are. I think I, in, in some ways, I think BYU and Utah fans are actually very good for each other because BYU fans are just always optimistic, no matter how bad it is. And Utah fans, we are just like the most pessimistic fan base, <laughs> regardless of how things are going. And, and I, I'm totally guilty of it. I'm just I'm such a grump sometimes. My wife hates it. But <laughs> so with this Utah BYU game, I, so nine years in a row or nine games in a row, I should say, Utah's going for ten. Over you know this decade of winning, is is there a game that maybe stands out to you, or a moment that you know really sticks out to your mind when you when you think about Utah BYU? So this isn't actually in the current streak, but I do remember the 2004 game really well. Um, I remember that Steve Savoy where he took it 92 yards to the house, and you know the I, I, I sat on the east side, and that was down the west sideline, um, and so. From our view, it kind of looked like he was about to get tackled about 10 years. And then all of a sudden, he just emerges out of nowhere. And no no one within 10 yards of him takes it to the house, and the crowd just erupts. Um, And that that was just amazing because that's when they started to pull pull away. As for the streak, (laughs) the 2018 game, I think, was kind of crazy because I'm sitting there at halftime. We're down (laughs) – down 20 to zip it's cold and i'm sitting there thinking so this is what it feels like <laughs> this is a- <laughs> you weren't alone i think we're all of us are saying the same thing I, I'm, and i'm just in my mind i'm just sitting there thinking this is not a world i want to live in where where we don't have this streak anymore but at the same time i, I it was kind of odd i had this kind of confidence that i'm just like maybe something's gonna happen and then just sure enough last quarter and a half it was just that last quarter and a half was so much fun. And especially when Shelly took in that last touchdown, the crowd just went insane. Like those are the Utah football moments that I absolutely love. That's awesome. You know, going back to that Oh four. So I was in the Muss, uh, and I remember pregame Curtis Brown. You, you, I'm sure you, do you guys remember Curtis Brown, that mouthy yep. running back for BYU. Yep. Yeah. But he was pretty good. He was a pretty good running back, but he loved to talk him talk as well. And he came over to the Muss, and he was running his mouth all game. And I'll tell you, when we just smoked him, it was it it, it that felt good. That felt good. So that also makes me feel about in that 2018 game. I remember. Neil Pau and Jalen Johnson 
kind of jawing at each other. And I remember Neil Powell like kept pointing up to the scoreboard. And as the game started to shift more and more towards Utah, I kind of started to watch that interaction and Powell started to get really quiet as that went on. And so that was actually a kind of, kind of that same experience, just talking all this crap. And then all of a sudden, like just not saying anything because he knows it's going the other way. <laughs> That's awesome. So Alex, where do you see this game going for Utah BYU? Please say you have Utah winning 10 in a row. Yeah, I, it, you know, and the thing is about this, the rivalry game is something weird always happens. There's a lightning storm. The game ends three times and they, you know, they have to <laughs> take everybody off. Like something weird always happens. And I wouldn't doubt that that happens. But if I were a betting man, I, I my thing is I, I'd have to say Utah by 14. That would be my guess. But like previous years, who even knows what's going to happen? Utah by 14. That probably means we're eating orange slices on the sideline come late, you know, fourth quarter. Exactly. Is that win by 14 because we knelt down right at the end of the game on the four-yard line? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of classy when it comes to not running up the score on Kalani. So this year we'll be kneeling on the one instead of the two just to <laughs> progress it a little bit. Awesome, dude. Well, hey, appreciate your time uh, jumping on, talking some Utes, and hopefully your prediction's right, Utah Utah beats BYU. I hope it's like a 21 point win, but I'll take I'll take any W that they can get over the Cougars. No, I'm the same way. Yeah. Like you said, if it was 54 to 10, I'd be over the moon, but you never really know. It's always a crazy game. But I, I do see Utah winning. Awesome. Hey, make sure you guys are following them on Twitter. It's at Utah AM. Alex, appreciate your time and go Utes. Appreciate it. Go Utes, guys. All right, big thank you to Alex for joining us. Again, like we're going to be doing this all season long. Last week we had four fans on. Uh, this week we're able to get um, Alex at Utah A&M. Uh, but we'll do that through the season. We really want to get other fans on here because we're fans. We want other people's you know, view, points of view and opinions, not just ours. We're up against a break. When we come back, we have Kay Scott on the phone, and we'll be talking some Utah football with Kenneth Scott. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, Utah fans. I mean, we try to get this next guest at least once a year on the on the podcast. One of our favorite guests and our favorite former player, Kenneth Scott. K. Scott, how are you doing? Woo, there we go. I'm glad to hear that. Favorite player. So, woo, woo. No, I just play. Appreciate you guys. Uh, but no, I'm good, man. Can't complain. Uh, the hurricane that hit Louisiana didn't hit us, um, you know, which I'm grateful for because I heard that's pretty crazy. So, uh, just thankful for that, you know, the hurricane season this time around. 
Definitely. Uh, so we really want to get your thoughts on this Utah program, kind of going into rivalry week. But before we get into that, I'm, as a player, I'm really curious about this. When you're going into a game against you know a lower division opponent like a Weber State, is your preparation different than like another non-conference game uh, as a player and maybe the coaching staff are you guys already looking ahead to to the next to the next game nah nah definitely not especially in our program here at the university of utah man coach Witt doesn't doesn't take that never uh so when it comes to game week that's all we focusing on is game week i mean because you can see in the past well you know this past weekend some teams get taken lightly and you wind up on the wrong side of the scoreboard. And so, you know, when it comes to our program, we for sure don't take, uh, you know, any opponent that's in a you know lesser division than us uh, for granted. So we try to maximize every opportunity. Well, we definitely saw that with Washington against Montana this past weekend. Uh, but kind of mm-hmm. along those lines, so, I mean, you're focusing in on, on Weber and then, you know, the game is played and you go back and you review film. How much can you take away as a player against a, a lower division team like that? Should I guess what I'm really hinting at is can Utah fans really put in a lot of stock in, into the way Utah played against Weber? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The reason why I say that is because um, you got to look at it from an efficiency matter. Um, you want to see how efficient they were um, as far as the plays call. Um you know, and, and the personnel, things of that nature. Um, it's not really the opponent. It's just how, how efficiently we ran through it. And I thought we did pretty well. We had a couple of miscues as far as like drop balls and things of that nature. But um, other than that, I thought everything ran smoothly, even in the transition to the second team. Uh, when Cam Rising came in, shoot, he came in and scored a touchdown on the first drive. I'm like, okay, Cam, I see you. Uh, but you know, you know, during those types of games, you want to make sure everything is efficient, everything is running smoothly and getting those kinks out of the way, not too many miscues going on. So, you know, I thought overall they did pretty well. So I wanted to ask you what it's like to lose to BYU, but you can't answer that, can you? Yeah, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that, that, that never, that, yeah, I, I don't know what you mean. So, yeah. Well, no, well tell us, tell us, obviously, what it's like for BYU week. You know, is it, is it, is there, because there's heightened emotion in state game, you know, this rivalry between, uh, between these two schools. How does it differ from maybe even a Pac 12 game as far as preparation? Kyle talks about preparation. You've already alluded to that. Mm-hmm. But, but what, what is, is there, is there any difference between this game and the preparation for this game? Or, or does Utah strictly treat it as just another game? You know, it's tough because, like, when it comes to rivalry games, there's always that in back of your head feeling of uh, you want a little bit more out of it. It's probably more edginess because of the rivalry. Uh, so, you know, you got that natural, you know, uh, I guess, instinct about that game. Um, and so when it comes to this game, you know, in the facilities, it's all old school BYU, Utah things. You go to the, the grocery store, you got – you know, five-year-old kids running up to you and say, hey, Utah sucks. And it's like, dang, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you, you get that feeling like everywhere you go during that week, you know, because outside of that week, you don't really get any of the other stuff as far as like there's no USC fans in Utah. There's BYU fans. And so when it comes to that, you know, type of game week, you get it from the full spectrum from the fan side and, you know, on the field too. 
kind of taking that a, a step further when when you listen to Whittingham talk to the media like before this before the big game he he says all the right things says BYU's a good opponent it's it's one game it doesn't count for more than you know one game and one win so so to speak but behind the scenes in the locker room is it a different coach wit does he get you guys pumped up even more so for this game uh, I wouldn't say more so. Coach Wood is intense every game, and mainly because, like us at Utah, like we definitely have a point to prove every game. Because even though we made it past that quote unquote underdog, like BCS Busters, we're still underdogs in the Pac-12 world. Like people still think we're good, but we're not good enough to edge out and be the Pac-12 champion. So, like. I still think, like, no matter what game it is, whatever week it is, we still have something to prove, not only from, uh, a, you know, a conference standpoint, but from a freaking national standpoint, too. So the intensity with Coach Witt is always there because he wants to respect from everybody, you know, rightfully so, because we deserve it, you know, to be on a national stage, you know, against some national opponents. So, K. Scott, you know, you're a California kid. Uh, who came to Utah? I, I imagine you, you know, didn't grow up around the Utah BYU rivalry. Kind of got introduced to it as a player here. How is that transition uh, for a player to kind of get used to this rivalry? Do you have to go through one game to to really grasp the kind of the hatred between the two schools, um, or is it the week leading in you kind of start tuning in to to really how heated this rivalry can get? I'm going to say full disclosure, uh, during my recruitment, before I got offered, I didn't even know where Utah was on the map. I, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, I literally had to Google it. I remember that. I was like, damn, where in the heck is Utah? I didn't even know where it was. Uh, so I definitely didn't know the magnitude of the game uh, coming into it. And so I, I like, leading up, I got the feeling because like you can just feel it around like the players talking about it like, oh, yeah, my friends, cousins, neighbors, daddies, uncles, nephews, you know, hates Utah. And it kind of goes like, from like 30 years back, like back when I was wearing leather helmets and, you know, they're talking about this rivalry and I'm like, okay, that sounds cool to me, but like, Hey, like I just never was born into it like they were. And so even my daughter thinks the same thing. But like, (laughs) so like when I came into it, you know, the week of, I'm like, okay, uh, I see what this kind of feeling. Cause I started being out in public. People started to say, Hey, you know, kick their butts and stuff like that. And then people who were BYU fans, they were kind of getting into it. I'm like, okay, all right. And then game day comes, and this is the most, like, like PG-13, like, curse words I've heard. And I never <laughs> heard. I was like, what in the world? Like, usually when you get on the field, people be cursing up a storm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and when I got on the field with them, it was like cursing, but it wasn't like cursing, cursing. It was like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> fetch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like something different. I was like, holy shoot. Okay. So this is what we're doing. So that's when I got my first. And then you got people were like, when I first came in, you know, I was 17 when I first got to Utah. And so I'm playing on like we on the field. These dudes 30. I'm like, yo. So going into that thing, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Never experienced it. But uh during that game and hearing like the first wink, obviously, because I was red certain years I got hurt, and like being on the sideline on the crutches listening to the game and hearing the trash talk and the weekly i was like oh yeah i see why people hate hate these people like yeah it's an it's an intense rivalry for sure oh that's awesome so so kind of 
jumping off off BYU for a minute, you know, since Utah joined the Pac-12, it's just been a kind of a steady climb to obviously to win the South. They've now won the South um, in 2018 and 2019. Now there's a lot of expectations on the program this year to not only win the South, but to take that next step and win the Pac-12. You know, Utah's, you know this better than anyone, you know, right? Kyle Whittingham focuses on defense and and running the ball. As a wide receiver, you know, we, we know for Utah to take that next step, they've got to be really efficient and they've got to be prolific in the passing game from your perspective having played the position played at Utah knowing these coaches and even just watching you know the last several years where is Utah in that passing attack and 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 do you think with Charlie Brewer at the helm this year are we really going to see kind of an an elite passing attack that is prolific enough to get that Pac-12 title that's a great, great freaking question. And I believe so. You know, I believe so. And it doesn't really have to stem from just the receiver group to get it done. Um, I kind of equate it to the 2008 year. Maybe not like as super duper talented as them. I mean, that was a good group of guys. But I kind of uh, put them in the same boat because we have so many players that can, well, and weapons that can get the ball and make something happen. Like we have four freaking tight ends, like four of them, like from Keithy, from Fotherham, like from Kincaid, from even the secret weapon that I could tell people is Yasmina, Australia. Like even him, man, he's crazy. I watched him in practice. Like, who is this kid? And it's like, oh yeah, it's the guy from Australia. And I said, oh shoot. Okay. So you got four tight ends. Then you got your running backs. You have four running backs in Pleasure, Bernard, Thomas, and Curry. I don't know if you've seen Curry, but his legs is crazy. Remind me of like Saquon Barkley or something. And then Tavion, man, that dude is a beast. So you got four running backs, four tight ends. Then that receiver, you know, you got the transfer and, and Theo Howard, very quick, very good route runner. Um, you got a solo, a solo, very good hands, great blocker, great leader. You got Covey. Then you got Devon Vele, you know, who can, who's, who's a very athletic receiver. Then you got Dixon. It's like, golly, it's a lot of weapons that can be utilized. And Lovewick is the right person to kind of uh, utilize them in the right way because he's done it before in the 08 year. And now that he had a couple years under his belt developing the players, oh man, it's crazy. So, um, this passing offense is going to go as far as Charlie Brewer does it. And judging off his first game, the dude was phenomenal. Very poised. I see why um, they were hyping him up as they were in the beginning of the season, like in the well preseason, because um, I'm like, this dude is like very calm, very poised. He's You can tell he's been in those game-like situations before because the first drive he came in, the way he was just smooth, silky, just throwing him, on, throwing him, on, throwing him darts. I was like, okay, all right. And, you know, this is no offense to, like, Rising, because Rising is good, too. But um, I think they made the good decision with Charlie Brewer, um, you know, into the first, uh, you know, having them start, especially because of the experience piece. That's the reason why I say it, because he got a lot of experience, especially being in the SEC. So, um, this hey, this team could be something. I'll tell you that for sure. And and so, Scott, you know, talking about, you know, all those great players, in the Weber State game, we did see a couple drops um, by the wideouts. Uh, especially, you know, in in the end zone, when now as you're watching this game, as you're watching their their techniques and whatnot, would you just chalk that up to first game jitters, or is this could this be a potential issue this season? 
Oh, no, nah, it's jitters, man. They want to come out there. It's the first game. They're hyped. They're excited. They want to make big plays. It's finally playing in, the, in front of a crowd. It's been over a year and a half. You know, I would chalk this one up, you know, as jitters because, I, you know, I watched them for a whole week in fall camp uh, when I had my time there. And them guys, they look good, man. They all, like, really look good on all cylinders. And so, like, I think, you know, especially from the first game, it was just pregame, me, uh, you know, first game jitters that they had. You know, over time, that'll wear off. They'll get acclimated to it, and they're going to be just fine, man. And and that's why, you know, I kind of uh, tell people all the time, it's just those first-game jitters. That's really what it was. Hey, obviously, in your time, you've seen a lot of good defenses of Whittingham's put out on the field. But, uh, you know, this the secondary is a little young. We've got a lot of experience at linebacker and, and on the line. But where do you where do you see this defense? Is this a shutdown defense? Uh, you know – you know, they're not probably as talented as – I mean, they're talented. Don't get me wrong. They're talented. They probably aren't as deep of a group as previous years, right, uh, as far as – in especially in the secondary. And, and, you know, the linebackers obviously is good because Devin and they fly around. But uh, that defensive line is crazy, by the way. Um, but I think they're going to get there with more reps. You know, they're a young group, like you mentioned. Uh, and I think they're going to get there. They're not there yet, but they're going to get there. They're good players. Good, you know, they're good players. You know, they fit our uh, scheme well. I just think over time they're going to get even better, especially because they're young. But I think uh, with this team this year, the offense is going to have to help out the defense a lot, a lot more uh, than previous years past, just because they're so young on the defensive end, especially in the secondary. So, so. Can- Kenneth, have you been in? Uh, have you, I guess you probably have seen the the new renovation of uh, the South End Zone. Is that right? When you've been in town, you know, I left the day before. Like they were going to show everything, like that video, the video, the video that they show, like every of the players running into the locker room. I left the day, yeah, the day, no, the day, yeah, the day of. I left the day of, man. I wish I would have seen it, but I didn't. I only seen it through video. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's it's legit. It uh, totally changes the perspective of just being a fan inside Rice Eccles. So with with that new South End Zone, the only thing we're missing is a new K Scott hit to to be blasting over the sound system as the team runs out. When are we going to get that? <laughs> Man, that's a great question. That is a really good question. We have been talks. Uh, we're doing something of that nature. Um, probably gonna. Probably gonna wait for like a special moment type thing, but I think I, what I heard was that the last last game they played one of the two songs. Like I don't know which one it was in the stadium. They played one of the two, uh, but there is like talks in the future about getting uh, you know an additional song out there. Probably some features from you know older players, uh, you know some alumni. Um, so that'd be cool too. So, so how much kind of just a follow up to that? How much how much uh, time are you are you working on that? Is just kind of a, a side hobby? No, I mean, I, I'm very into music. I, I do music all the time. So, you know, as far as that special project, as far as doing it for the university, that's probably like a one off something I do on the side. But like I naturally just do music, you know, whenever it inspires me or, you know, sometimes all the time more on the like the engineering side like the technicalities of the audio piece. Um, you know, I write all the time, but I really try to, well, I really like the piece, like the instrumentation part of stuff. Um, so, you know, I do music all the time, uh, but as far as special projects, special projects like the one I did for Utah, 
you know, I'll do one-offs like that, um, you know, to get people hype. <laughs> awesome. So, okay, Scott, I think, you know, a player such as yourself that, that came into to Utah while it was, you know, still in the Mountain West and you were the first group to really play in the, in the Pac-12. I think guys like yourself, fans, you know, kind of hold up there, um, kind of paved the way uh, for where this program is now in the conference. I'm just curious your thoughts of as you play through the program and now that you've been out of it, kind of what are your thoughts uh, of Utah, where it is today, kind of seeing where where it's progressed to? Man, I'm so excited. To be honest with you, I'm excited about where we're at right now, but also where we're going in the future. I see it trending upward. Um, you know, it was a beautiful thing being a part of like a first to be in there. It's like awesome. We should have won the Pac-12 uh, my first year there, but we missed some field goals, but it's okay. <laughs> not going to hold that against them. We missed a field goal. We could have won. It's okay. I'm not going to hold it against them. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to uh, you know, see where, where they're at and where they're going. But I do have to say, I do have a ring being a co-Pac-12 South champion. I don't know if that, that's like the second place trophy, but it, we, I got a ring of a co-Pac-12 South champ, uh, championship. But I think um, as far as, you know, the perspective of Utah football, people know who we are, which is lovely, especially like when I'm watching it on game day and people picking Utah because the tradition and the history and then when I'm around Houston, I see I even see like people um, like Utah stuff in Houston. And, and when I go to these schools with these kids and, and, and these recruits and stuff, they're talking about Utah. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Because before nobody even knew Utah, like they, they heard of them, but they, like Utah wasn't on the map on the map like how it is now. And so it's so cool to see like to like, you know, all these big recruits saying, like, oh, Utah is going to be my top five, top three. And, you know, I'm just like an ambassador to everything. So I'm like, man, I love seeing it. I give recruits shout outs, you know, for you know, doing special things like that and wanting to be a part of the program. Um, but it's a beautiful thing to see. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I love seeing like, dang, I remember when we was BCS busters. Hmm. Now we're Pac-12, you know, uh, trying to be Pac-12 winners and hopefully get into the college playoff ranks, too. Uh, K. Scott, can't thank you enough. You're always you know, just so gracious with your time talking to us. Um, before we let you go, I, I, I know Utah fans, I want to know an update. What's going on with you personally, your family? How, what, what's going on in your life? Yeah, man, right now, man, I'm just doing a lot of things in regards to like coaching and training. Um, one thing, obviously, on the field and off the field. So um, out here in Houston, Texas, um, there's a 707 program called Mike Evans Elite. Um, basically, Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, he has a 707 team out here um, in three locations. I, and I have the the 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds. So I get them right before they get into high school, you know, and, and I'm out in the program. And so that's freaking awesome. And then also um, what I do is I go out to schools and conduct workshops and speak to them just about uh, their branding. And giving them, get trying to get them that exposure to the next level, you know, sort of the off the field type stuff, and teaching them um, how to, you know, handle themselves accordingly. And so that's what I'm doing now. Um, I freaking love it because it's just me giving back, you know, all the the failures <laughs> that I learned from, all the successes that I had, and giving it to them so they can pave their own way. And so uh, that's what I'm doing that way. And then family wise, everything is good. Got my two girls and wifey and a dog. And so, uh, you know, can't complain one bit, man. Life's good. Dude, that's amazing. I, I, it's, 
I'm not surprised, honestly, uh, what you're doing and giving back. It, and you've always been that that kind of person and that player when you were here. I mean, you're just uh, from a fan. You're just a great ambassador uh, for this program, this university. We can't thank you enough uh, for everything that you, that you do and represent uh, from the state of Utah and the university. Before I let you go, last question. I promise. Utah BYU this coming weekend. Who do you have, and do you have a score for us? There's no debate on who I got. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to talk about the score, uh, you know, I ain't going to lie. You know, BYU did look better than what I expected. You know, they, they quarterback is a very, uh, you know, versatile. They got a receiver that balled out last game, had over 100 yards, um, even without Puka and, and Samson. They had a running back that carried the ball well, defenders that flew around. The guy almost had 20 tackles. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout, but I think uh, the game is going to be the score, I'll say 34-24. Um, you know, it, BYU going to score on the last, last, you know, couple minutes of the game, you know, to make it from 34-17 to 34-24. So that's, you know, that's what I got right there. I love it. K-Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be in touch, buddy. Oh, no problem. Thank you guys for having me on. It's a pleasure in any time, any place, anywhere. I don't know if that's how, how it goes, but y'all get the <laughs> same. For I was on the headband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Take care. Always great to have Kenneth Scott on the line. Uh, you know, that's one thing I, I love about doing this podcast that we've been doing, what, for eight years now is the ability we have to bring former players on, really get the inside knowledge of this program from a player's perspective. Um, but Kenneth Scott, not surprised what he's doing in his life. He's just he's always been such a, a great dude. I uh, really appreciate his time. Uh, we're up against a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll go dive into some Utah BYU and some Pac-12. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so the in-state game is upon us. I don't know, guys. I just, I'm kind of with with Alex on this. Like, I'm kind of indifferent about the game. I mean, I want Utah to win. I, I don't mind if they play or, or whatnot. But I'm just, I I just get so sick of local media, BYU fans just running their mouths after nine losses. Well, and 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 that's that's the point as a as a Ute fan. You know, it's fun to have some. It's fun to have some friendly banter, right, back and forth between each between each fan base. But it's where it just gets ridiculous. All right, you've lost nine straight. In the last twenty games, Utah is fifteen and five in this game. In the last twenty five games, Utah is eighteen and seven. In the last ten trips down to Provo. We've won seven of those ten. 
by an average of 12 points. Rice Eccles South. It's, it's not a rivalry. You got to win once in a while. That's why Kyle Winningham calls it the in-state game. It's no longer a rivalry because you guys down south have not held up your end of the bargain. And one game doesn't change that. No. No, I mean, it's going to take, take a lot of wins consistently from them to get this back into what it used to be, right? And, and, and yes, absolutely right. And I think if, if the whole pack or if the whole Big 12 thing comes to fruition and they join, over a period of time, they're going to, like Utah saw, they're going to start getting bigger recruits for a bigger conference. They better. They better. And recruiting know. 70th they, and 80th isn't going to get it done. They are, and they, I agree. BYU is who they are, regardless of conference. I, they might, I, yes, but I think you might see a little bit of uptick from going independent to Big 12. Oh, I'll Medium 12. <laughs> no, in, in all honesty, yeah, that, that will help them. Just being in a conference, this has been my, my, my M.O., on them since we went to the Pac-12 and they overreacted and went independent is, you know, playing one-off games against some big opponents where your season means nothing with one loss. Independence is just, I, I know BYU fans will argue it and it's been great for them, but I'll tell you what makes college football great is a conference race. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Is building conference rivalries amongst teams in your division and your conference and seeing them year after year. That's what's fun. Oh yeah. I mean if, if you get a Notre Dame to come to town once in a while or you go there to play or you get USC to come to town once in a while, that's that's great. But when that's just sprinkled in when you with Toledo, UMass, those are horrible. You can't tell me that independence is where it is. And let's not even get started about last season. I know, I know, they finished eleventh in the in the final standings, and they had a good season. But they had a good season because a pandemic wrecked college football, where most teams did not play a full season. Games were canceled, and they played the most watered down, pathetic schedule. I mean, they did. That's just the reality of it. There's nothing they could have done about it. They they just had to play who they could play. So I get that, and there's nothing, you know, nothing against them in that regard. But at the end of the day, the teams are still the the same teams, and it just it just wasn't all that effective. And I mean, you know, now you know they open the season against a win against Arizona, and it's like, boy, oh boy, we just beat a Pac-12 team. Well, okay, that Pac-12 team is 0 and 12 coming into that game. They've lost 13 games in a row, 14 of their last 18. I mean. Yeah, Jeez, they're not a good. They're the worst team in the Pac-12. They're not good. They are not a good football team. And you know what? I actually really like Arizona's coach, and I think with time he will do well down there. I think they showed well. I, I think they played better than what I was expecting. But it's going to take time because they haven't recruited well, Arizona's, and uh, so it's just you know that win to to prop yourself up on on that type of win. Could be a little scary. Why don't you do it against a real Pac-12 team come Saturday? And that's where you're going to get some eyeballs if you get that done. But until you beat a, a real good team and do it over the ho- the course of a season, that's that's where I'm at at this point. Obviously, you know, it's a big game for, for bragging rights. But at the end of the day, 
if Utah does lose this game, it's not the end of our season. Every goal that this team has is still in front of them. Win the South, win the Pac-12, play for a Rose Bowl, or play make it to the playoff. Very true. But look at it this way, though. If they lose that game, which I don't think they will, are they good enough to win the South? That's a very valid question. And I would say yes, just because it's a rivalry game. And funky things happen. Sure. Y- y- you never know. Um, this if, rivalry if it's like a lot of weird the San stuff. Diego State, if they lose San Diego State, then I think that would create a lot more worry about their ability well, to, to Well, I win. mean, just look at 2019, right? We looked horrible against USC. They they completed every deep pass on us. We just we did not look like a good football team. And guess what? We didn't lose the rest of the season until the Pac-12 title game. So sometimes a loss can can kind of bring a team together and refocus a team. Now, I'm not saying, uh, but in a rivalry game and a one-off, yeah, it'd be a bummer to lose it. But at the end of the day, I I don't see it. I don't. It will not define Utah season. No. And uh, but they've got a big stretch ahead of them. UCLA's looking better than I think most people thought. USC's still going to be there in the end, and Arizona State's going to be there in the end. It's going to be a tough South. So um, I think we're going to see through these first three preseason games, BYU, and and then the following week at San Diego State where we're at. Where is Utah at heading into conference play against Washington State? Um, But I'll tell you, from game one against Weber State, I really liked what we saw. And I think you're going to see a lot of improvement from game one to game two. Okay, and as we kind of talk about this Utah-BYU game, as I said to kind of open this up, I I just get so sick of the fans and social media and just everyone running their mouths. There's been some just crazy tweets and and posts. I guess I shouldn't be surprised it's like that every year, but it just seems like what what you're saying, Scott, they beat Arizona their their season last year. Now they are world champions and I'm sick of it. Well, yeah, in the in the Twitter sphere, you've got uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of realistic BYU fans out there for call it call it this game for what it is and 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 their place in it. But you definitely have some uh, some freewheeling ones who uh, haven't quite touched down with reality yet. I I've got a few. I just wanted I just wanted to point out a few. So we got uh, Pedro Don who says call it in. Okay, so I watched extended Utah Weber highlights. Barely held down my lunch. Here's my takeaways. Arizona is so much better than Weber. As I just referenced, Arizona's lost 13 straight. Weber State's won 18 of their last 27 on made it to the FCS playoffs four straight years. I would pick Weber still. So, I would pick uh, Weber over Arizona. So let's uh, let's calm down there on his first takeaway. Second takeaway, rivalry game sets up perfectly as it could for BYU. It's time. What does that mean? I have, I don't know what that means, but apparently it's perfect in the time and the schedule for them. Game two, wait, it's got to happen. Don't they have a lot of injuries Coming into the season, a lot of injuries happened against Arizona and Utah's looking well, pretty Well, they, they held out the Nakua brothers for their Super Bowl this oh, yeah. week. So that worked out good for them. They held them out because they're injured. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> the third takeaway, there is better than an even chance BYU is going to make Brewer cry. <laughs> Again, 
Then we got then we got our our buddy Keegan Underwood who says <laughs> Jaron Hall even with his shaky start already looks better than Utah's Charlie Brewer. Utah never had a play as long as Hall to Powell. We never attempted one either. Okay, actually, actually well, the Hail Mary, but that didn't work out. So, so Charlie Brewer, who's got, uh, I believe, career over eight thousand passing yards in his career, is not as good as a dude who's got three starts and threw for what two hundred yards against one of the worst teams in Pac-12 history. Alrighty then. Then we got my personal favorite. We got BYU Gary. BYU Gary, we smashed a Pac-12 team without three of our best receivers and with a super vanilla playbook, and people think we should be scared for next week. This they is, smashed B, or, uh, a Pac-12 team. This is why I want it to be 54 to 10. <laughs> I know now they're I, in the minority of BYU fans. Exactly. And we, we're cherry-picking some dudes, and, and I'm sure in real life they're actually good dudes, but... On Twitter, get a little a uh, little unrealistic in uh, in how uh, how they view this rivalry. I didn't know winning by eight equals smashing. When Arizona actually had the ball to to even up the score, and really, if if Arizona had a kicker, it would have been a two point win. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, so. Yeah, you get all kinds, and it makes the rivalry interesting. Let's just put it that way. We got mean tweets of BYU fans. Yeah, that's it. this should be like a new segment. All right, that's enough Team Down South talk. I hate them. I can't, I can't do it. Uh, let, let's pack 12. It was a crazy weekend. The North sucks. <laughs> that was pretty shocking to me. To see to yeah. see how poorly the North, Washington, you lose at home to Montana. I mean, Jimmy Lake, what is what are you doing? Not up only there? did they they lose to an FCS school, but they looked bad. Like they offensively, they were horrific. Su- supposedly supposed to be the flag bearer for this conference, like outside of Oregon, they do not look good. Like, and they had plenty of opportunities at the end of the game to put a drive together. They they just couldn't. They they are so it, out of sync. And I don't know if it's just a one-game thing, but they do not look good. Peterson hasn't even been gone very long, and they can't even keep that momentum going. I mean, it it's a little alarming how how bad they look. I mean, is, is Jimmy Lake really that far in front of his skis on this? I mean, I I thought he was I thought he'd be a good hire. I mean, he was so good as a defense on the defensive side. He recruits so well. He's a, he's a but great since recruiter. taking over, they've had a lot of guys transfer some into our our program in McKinney and in uh, Calvert, Calvert. Mm-hmm. and they've had plenty of other guys transfer out of the program, which kind of leads you to believe that they don't want to be there. They don't want to they don't want to play for him or maybe it's his staff. I don't know what the issue well, is. They definitely, but it is concerning. They definitely look like they didn't want to play for him on Saturday. Yeah, and 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 I don't think Washington's a place that they're going to they're going to sit and take this too long. They they've they've worked really hard to climb out of the hole they were in previously through Sarkeesian, then through Peterson and they you know, they get to the Rose Bowl, they get to the playoff and 
you know, I don't think that fan base or that administration wants to go back down. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if this continues how big of a leash they will have uh, for him. And then, I mean, even Oregon is the only team in the North that got a win against uh, Fresno State, 31-24. But even they didn't had to come back behind. They had to score 10 points there in the fourth quarter to to win that game. Again, like... Again, like supposed to be the flag barrier of of the conference, and they just they didn't show well. Um, which, and, and which it's a little alarming because that's who the national media is pubbing up right now for the Pac-12 is is Oregon and Washington. That's the knock on Oregon's coach. That's the knock on Cristobal. Is he recruits like a madman? That that program has so much talent, and to come out and perform like that. And you know, and you've you've seen this in other years, right? Well, they'll they'll go through stretches where they get really hot and they look really good, but they have some other stretches where they th- that talent level is not playing up to its to its ability. I mean, you you think if if Kyle Whittingham had that much talent to coach, they're not losing a game and that much Nike money. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's. That's where I think Oregon, man, he can recruit with the best of them. Oh, yeah. But, but what he's able to do with those recruits is still not showing. Well, I think yet. that's always been the knock on him, right, is the X's and O's parts of, um, of, of college football. And, and quite frankly, we're at a time where the Pac-12 has to show out. Oh, yeah. We just got a new commissioner. He's, he's dedicated. He said football and basketball are our two biggest priorities. We need to win, and we need to win big. We do, as much as, you know, it's kind of fun to see those guys struggle, we need Washington and we need Oregon to play well. We need them ranked. We need them winning. We need them to upset teams. You know, obviously you could have Oregon and Ohio State here, and you don't want to get blown out and embarrassed in that game. It's going to be pivotal that that these guys show a little bit better moving forward, especially at, at the top of that North division. And then obviously kind of the the big game, the big talking point, UCLA gets a win over LSU 38-27. I don't I don't know if I believe in this UCLA team. I just it's it's still the divas of UCLA. I don't know if they can keep this up all season long. It, it was their second game of the season. It was LSU's first. I think that kind of helped play into sure, it. Sure, sure. Uh, UCLA's running back, Zach Charbonnet, I think it's pronounced. Phenomenal athlete. Transfer from Michigan. He's the real deal. Real yeah. deal. Outside of that, I really don't have faith in, in UCLA. You know, I'm, I'm not sure I, I feel the same on that. Because you've kind of seen UCLA coming a little bit. Last year, obviously, a shortened season. Even the year prior to that, they showed glimpses where they could put it together. They couldn't do it consistently, but they could put it together for some games. And even though they, you know, they still they still have been recruiting at a decent level. Nothing, nothing at Oregon or USC like, but they still have talent. And and this year, obviously, you know, they did what they're supposed to do in in week one, and then. You know, I'm not. I'm not sold that this isn't the LSU team of a few years ago that won a national title, and Ed Orgeron may be out of a job here pretty quick because Oregon or LSU has not looked good for since the title game. Yep. So I, you know, this this isn't some some huge upset I would think, but it's a win the Pac-12 needed. You have to win against a very average SEC team. You, those are the games you got to win. 
And I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure come the end of the season that they're going to be at the top or even in the top two. But I think they are going to be, they're good enough to make things interesting in the South. As you look ahead to, to this week's games in the Pac-12, obviously it's the Oregon-Ohio State game, Scott, that you mentioned, uh, kind of the headliner. Oregon's got to win that game for the conference. At minimum, they've got to be respectable. They've got to give Ohio State a game at minimum. The other one is Washington at Michigan. Uh, they're both not ranked, but with playing you know, a national brand like Michigan on ABC, again, like Washington's got to shake off what happened and, and hopefully put a, a decent game against Michigan. The Pac-12 needs that for its image. And to kind of round things out, Stanford and USC play this Saturday, kicking off the first Pac-12 game. Stanford uh, always plays USC tough, but I'm not sure they will this year. No, they didn't. USC 17-point favorite right yeah, now. Yeah, USC. I mean, USC didn't even look spectacular in, in game number one. But Stanford, what has happened to Stanford, David Shaw? That program has fallen bad. And and it's, you know, you would expect, right? You're going to have a lull every once in a while. But this, this has been going on for two and a half, three seasons. I don't think they care, though. I don't think that... I don't think that fan base that university care to be honest with you they may not but i'm still surprised when david shaw was i mean he was getting rumored for nfl jobs he was he was such mm-hmm. a hot commodity when he had them winning the pac-12 going to rose bowls winning rose bowls well, when you look at it utah beating ranked stanford teams is when really utah is getting put on the map when the conference that people were starting to take utah Seriously, when they were consistently beating ranked Stanford teams. Well, and early on in Utah's tenure in the Pac-12, that's where Stanford was. They were the it team. They came into Rice-Eccles Stadium as uh, ranked fifth in the country. And a losing season Utes upset them. You know, and they've just they've just kind of tr- continued to trickle down year after year. And I, 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 don't, I don't know what's going on there because they still recruit at a high level. They still enough kids from the state of Utah that we'd love to have, but they're just not getting it done on the field. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there and if he can if he can get that turned around anytime soon. All right, so that'll kind of round it out for the Pac-12. You know, we're super soaked again to watch football all weekend long. Uh, as we wrap things up, let's go ahead and do our picks for the Utah BYU game. Scott, why don't you kick us off? All right. This is uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think this is going to follow you know a pretty similar uh, path. Of what this game does, right? I think it's going to be close through the first half. Um, but I think where Utah is going to win this game is their depth and their overall talent and speed. I know BYU fans and the BYU media do not like to talk about a talent gap, but this is where you see it is you're going to see Utah's got greater depth, and they've just got better team speed across the board from the lines to the secondary, the skill positions. Yeah, BYU's got some good players. There's no doubt about that. But they don't have the depth behind those great players. And that's where Utah can exploit them. I think uh, Utah is going to pull away in the second half. I've got it uh, 38-18. to 18. I'm kind of on the same lines as you for all the same reasons. Uh, And yes, as much as I want to rip on BYU, uh, 
Kalani's a great coach, and they'll be up for the game. Uh, Hall, I think, played better than what I was expecting um, against Arizona. The running back Algier, um, he is a special talent. Like I'm not, I'm, I'll give him credit, but I, st- I just think Utah is just has too much talent to overwhelm them, and with it being the in-state game. Utah's not going to overlook that. They're not going to overlook this team like maybe uh, you know a lesser group of five team. I got Utah thirty four seventeen, and Ryan, I got the Utes obviously, and I think uh, I think it's a close first half, but I think Utah pulls away in the second half and wins forty five seventeen. Boom. Ryan's not messing I like around. It. I like it. Dude, you're going to make Pedro pretty upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, if, they, if they all cry, I'm okay with that. No, Brewer's the one that's crying. <laughs> oh. The the guy who's won a sugar bowl, he's crying? He will be crying okay, when right. he faces that that vaunted, vaunted BYU defense that keeps everything in front of him. <laughs> Except for when they've got a guy that jukes one step to the side and the guy's looking for his jock strap <laughs> all right i'll do it for this episode right where people find you on twitter at drum and feather drum the letter and feather and scott you can find me at Uteman underscore forever and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at utah man podcast you can always go to our home at utahmanpodcast.com and you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast itunes stitcher google play we are there And hopefully Utah gets a big win in the in-state game. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. You're in the morning group, aren't you? Yeah. What about you? Yeah. We're, uh, me and Ryan are in the afternoon we didn't we didn't get in early enough i hate you guys is there another twitter open welcome to, welcome to 2021 cam i hate <laughs> you guys i full-on hate you two not you alex these two dude you, you literally don't golf. don't golf you don't golf if you you can come wash my clubs if you want <laughs> really <laughs> You, you should have seen Ryan's face as soon as you brought it up, though, because he knew I was going to say something. He's like, stop, don't. You my, know my bad. You guys didn't warn me. Sorry, man. I hate you, Scott. Oh, my gosh. Cam, we would love to have you. No, you wouldn't. You can. There's plenty of things. You can walk off the yardages for us. <laughs> There are so many people that don't really play golf in that tournament. I mean, come on. See, there's people who don't play. Alex, you're not helping the cause here, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now now now's my time. See you guys. (laughs) Oh man, good times, good times. (laughs)